You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And a good Saturday morning to you and a busy Saturday morning it is. Well, one of the things we're going to discuss on this show, something we have not talked about, mullets. <laughs> what do you think about mullets? Are they bait? Are they, as some of the Mississippi folks call them, Biloxi bacon, good for eating, both? And what about the haircut? Are you a fan of the mullet hairstyle? And also, what about the mullet toss? Are they good uh, items to have a little tossing competition? That goes on on the beaches. Anyway, Texas, your thoughts on mullets. Have you ever eaten mullet? Do you have a recipe for it? 504-260-1870 is our talk and text line. If you want to text us this morning, along with your fishing reports, your comments, your questions, we welcome it in. Well, I'll tell you one thing about mullets. It's going to be a popular bait this morning for those bull redfish down in Grand Isle because today it's finally here. They're calling it Ride the Bull 11, Take 3. After a couple of years hiatus, the uh, big Ride the Bull, now sponsored by the Coastal Conservation Association is underway in Grand Isle, and if you're not familiar with it, there are hundreds, uh, literally hundreds of kayaks that take off from the Bridgeside Marina into Kaminata Pass in search for the largest bull redfish, and they call it a Cajun sleigh ride when the bull actually pulls the kayak around, and it's a great event, lots of partying going on. And we have some reporters down there. We'll be getting some updates from the Grand Isle area. Also, our our field reporter for Paddlers, uh, Brendan Bayard, he's going to join us a little bit later on and talk more about it, maybe give you a tip or two if you're down there fishing in it. So good luck to all the participants in the Ride the Bull. Great that it's returned to Grand Isle. All right, we speak live fishing reports here. We've got our field staff all across the state coming up to help you find some fish. Hey, I'm still looking for some dove hunting opportunities in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas. It opens up uh, next weekend. It's actually here. And our programming note, we'll be broadcasting this program from Woodsboro, Texas next week. I'll be there for the early white-winged dove season, and hope you'll tune us in then. Also, you know, the number one question I get uh, from week to week is people who do not own boats and want to know where's a good place I can go bank fishing. Well, if you tune in to this week's Bayou Wild TV show, uh, there's a program sponsored by Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries called Get Out and Fish, and they make it happen. They make it as easy as it can get, and I got out and did a little bit of fishing in their program. You'll see that. Check us out on BayouWildTV.com. You'll find all our Channel listings, dates, and times, and you can always catch us on the website at BayouWildTV.com, uh, and you can watch it on YouTube. Well, we're continuing our Red Snapper Watch. We're closing in on the remaining harvest quota, and as we do that, we've got another illegal Red Snapper bus was made. Four men returning to Empire. They're this week's bad boys of the outdoors. 
And some good news for you red snapper fishermen. Uh, There's a good possibility that our harvest quota will be raised uh, by the Gulf Fisheries Management Council. I'll give you some details on that. Uh, Checking on your coastal marine forecast. If you're headed out, I'm looking at the radar right now. Looks pretty good. Uh, There are some showers. Some pretty the heaviest stuff is off the coast uh, south of uh, between Hackberry and the uh, Chafalaya region there out in the Gulf. For the rest of the state, it looks pretty clear. But uh, fear not, 60% chance of rain. You'll probably get some drops on you today. But the winds are really looking good. Offshore, they're calling for only five-knot winds out of the south. One-foot sea, that's pretty easy for you to get out and deal with. And on the interior lakes and bays, uh, again, that south wind at five knots will present some smooth conditions. Good bit of tide. 1.5 is the range in the Mississippi River. On the gauge is somewhere around four foot and holding steady. So all things are looking pretty good. Not a lot of activity out in the uh, Gulf, and that's some really good news for this time of year. We'll be back to take you down to Campos Marina in Shell Beach right after this. You're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque. Radio Network. One of the things we're talking about this morning is mullets. What about mullets? What do you know about them? Do you use them for bait? Uh, Do you cook them and eat them? They call them Biloxi bacon over on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, Do you toss them? And uh, what about the mullet haircut? Are you a fan or not? Let's talk to Robbie Campo at Shell Beach. Now, Robbie, before we get into your fishing report, I know you're very familiar with mullets because uh, you had a pretty strong commercial operation. Used to uh, those guys used to go out of your marina in the mullet boats, and I don't know if it's still as popular as it once was. But I got to tell you, I was down there one time during the mullet season, which it was still kind of cold, and the gnats were there, and there was no wind, and there was fog, and they, you know, how they used to light up the burlap oyster sacks to keep the gnats away to make the smoke, and that combination of those burlap sacks with the smoke and the smell of those mullet. I don't know if I could ever eat a mullet. <laughs> Have you ever eaten mullet? Do you know anybody that does? Uh, well, you know, Don, I have, I've have, have had mullets before, um, fried, and they're only good when they're hot. When they come out to grease, they, that's that. You, you know, a speckled trout you could take and and fry it, and you could put them in a in a ziploc bag and put it in the refrigerator and eat it the next day, and it's. It, you know, it's just as good, but that that mullet, no, you got to eat it when it comes right out of the um, right out of the grease, and it's not bad. I tell you the truth, it, re- it really is. That's isn't what bad. I've heard. I- I've but, never eaten one, uh, but now do you do you fillet it or do you just scale it and yeah. fry it? How do you fry no, it? Up? No, 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 you fillet it just like you do a speckled trout or anything else, um, and I, I, it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. It is really well. It, you know, it tastes really well, but. Um, I tell you, um, I uh, you know I had I had fished them a long time, um, and I used you know back in the back in the early early night, well throughout the nineties and the early two thousands, I did that for a living, and um, and that's not popular anymore. It's uh, there's no more money in it, so that's why nobody does it. That's the reason it's not as popular around here as it once was. At one time, that fish was two dollars and eighty cents a pound. Now, if you're lucky, you can get 35, 40 cents for that same fish. Uh, you know, you, you you're doing can't pay really your well. Gas. So, yeah, you no, can't pay no. your gas with that. No, no. Well, not they still use them. They still use them for bait. Well, Robbie, what's been the fishing picture down there this week? We've had a lot of rain and well, showers I, and stuff, but I think people got a chance to get out if they could put up with the rain. Well, I tell you, Don, um, it wasn't that bad, but you know, nevertheless, you still had. Um, plenty of showers to deal with this week. We had rain every day. 
uh, a lot of squalls in the morning. Uh, you know, it blew up in the sound, uh, in Breton Sound, I should say, and it was it made for a tough week of fishing. Um, they did catch some fish over on they, they're still catching some fish on the eastern, um, you know, on the outside eastern end of the edge of that Biloxi Marsh on those oyster reefs. Um, you know, a few up in Elwha, if you could get there. Um, they they have some fish over by the oil rigs out, you know, by Central and um, Central and Holy Cross. But it, it, man, it's just so iffy to get out there because if this, you know, it blows up on you, you get you get just a few casts and then you got to run. Um, so it's it's making it really hard to fish out there. Um, I heard a little bit of report from the Black Bay area by Stone Island. I heard they caught some fish on that side. But how many, I don't know. I just heard they caught some fish over there. Um, I haven't. I, I was going to call Captain Jack Payne uh, yesterday and find out if they had anything, any action going on on that side. But I got busy. I didn't get a chance to speak with him yesterday to find out. So, But nevertheless, I, you know, I do think that you could still get the morning in if you come on down, grab you some live shrimp, get, out, get on the backside of that dam, working out to – to the Long Rocks or the Short Rocks by Gardner's Island or Anastasio, I still think it's very doable. Um, I know they still have plenty of white trout up on this side of the dam. That's that's always, you know, something that you could do if you don't want to go running out there and you want to get away from this weather or stay close. You know, the dam has been holding plenty, plenty of white trout on it. I know a lot of people turn their nose up to it, but, hey, it's August. You know, you got you to gotta improvise. So, if it's uh, a mixed box, well, then it's a mixed box. But, um, hey, but if you're coming on out today, hook the left at the bridge and come on down and see us, and we're down here waiting on you. All right, sounds good. Robbie, one more thing before you go. I was at a ball game last night, and a guy showed me on his phone some footage of some tarpon that were struck out there in Black Bay, out in the sound someplace, uh, which is pretty unusual. But he said there was a massive school, and the one I saw landed was like 125 pounds. Did you get any reports of any tarpon out there in the sound showing up? Yes, yes, we did. I saw uh, one of my cap, one of my charter captains that runs out of my place, Captain Justin Carlson, told me they were busting out of the water on the north end of Breton Island. He said it was it was something to see. There was in the mullets. He said it was just a tarpon in the air every time he turned around. It was just a, you know, it was it was a, he had footage of it and it was just incredible. Um, I, you know. I know they do come in sometimes. I know they used to get Lake Punch trained yeah. back back in a the day. They, you know, they they had a tarpon rodeo in that in that lake at one time. But right. um, I don't. I, and most people don't believe that, but that is true. But um, but I tell you, Don, they was they was in that. They were out there by by Breton Island, the north end of Breton Island, and and you know they were pretty heavy duty from what I hear. Yeah, well, these guys went home with a bunch of busted tackle and broken hearts, but they did manage to land one. But if anybody's out there, I would strongly suggest having one good solid rod with a nice big sharp hook, maybe one of those coon pop lures, and just leave it in the boat. Because if you run into them and they they breach it on the surface like that and jumping, man, they'll hit anything you throw at them, and you could be in for the fight of your lifetime. But their mouth is like the inside of a plastic five-gallon bucket, and it's hard to get a good hook set on. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you're right. They are tough. That's a tough fish to catch. But, um, you know, uh, it, it. I guess it would be a fun. I have never, personally, I've never caught one. But I tell you what, it looks like a, it looks like a boot. But um, 
I've never done it yet, but I tell you, one of these days, that's a bucket list thing. I want to catch one, I, and I don't know why. I just want to catch one. No, you you need <laughs> to. Seems, I caught a I caught like, a one fifty. It seems like it'd be fun. It is. I caught a one fifty, and it was the most exciting fish of everything I've caught in my life. It uh, it takes your breath away when they you. jump out the water and they leap up eight and ten feet up in the air. It's incredible. Well, Robbie, thanks yep. for the report, bud. We'll talk to you next week. Hope I got a better one for you next week, Don. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. There he goes. We're in the transition area for those trout, folks. All right. We come back. I uh, got a lot of text messages to pass along. going to tell you about the Red Snap account. A lot of stuff we do each and every Saturday morning right here on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. All right. We are on Red Snapper Watch. We're approaching that time of the year where we may be getting fairly close to shutting down the season. When we reach the harvest quota, it will be over. And through August the 14th, which was two weeks ago, uh, we had reached 73% of our quota, which the total quota this year was 809,315 pounds. Uh, I'm figuring we still got maybe three, four, maybe another five weeks to go on this. Uh, depends on the weather and how many people get out and what the actual landings are. And we also got some good news from the Gulf uh, of Mexico Fishery Management Council. They are proposing that they up the limits on red snapper. Well, duh, come on. There's so many of them out there. Uh, Louisiana's private catch uh, currently sits at 816,000. Uh, I said 809 because we got penalized a few thousand pounds because we went over last year. But they are recommending now the new quota go to 881,000, which could be an extra three-day weekend or so. Uh, Alabama is also looking to increase theirs from 1.1 million pounds, which is a lot of red snapper, to 1.2 million. And Mississippi... Uh, they kind of get the bottom of the barrel. They're only at 151,000 pounds uh, quota. They are looking to increase theirs to 163. Also, Texas and Florida also looking for some increases. So if that gets approved, we'll pass that along to you. Good news for red snapper fishermen. By the way, that's our subject of our bad boys of the outdoors. Some guys busted again uh, with over the limit of red snapper. It's easy to do. We'll tell you that story coming up. All right, getting to our text message board. Uh, the Lafayette Yacker, he's down at Ride the Bull in Grand Isle. He says he's hoping the weather gives us some decent fishing conditions. And what I'm looking at right now, it's going to be a pretty good start unless something blows up really quick. He's got the coffee brewing, the boudin's warming, and biscuits in the oven. Yeah, I did miss out. And he wants to congratulate the folks of Grand Isle for the quick recovery made so far and all the hospitality for that big event. That is the world's largest kayak event, and it's going on right here in Louisiana on the island of Grand Isle. All right, we also have uh, Smokey checking in. He says, uh, best of luck to the Tupperware Navy, which he is calling the kayakers, uh, participating in Ride the Bull. Someone observing the tournament from an elevated position once said it looked like there was a box of crayons dropped in Kaminata Pass. May their anchors hold and their redfish be plentiful. That's from our buddy Smokey. Yeah, that's a very good description of what it looks like down there. All right, the River Rat's got the Blood River in his yard, I guess, from all the rain. Uh, here's someone that brother-in-law used to have a mullet. Was that a pet or was that the hairstyle you're talking about? And we got a, let's see, this is one of our Alabama listeners. Uh, Manly from Spanish Fort says, mullet gizzards are delicious. I don't know. The thing about a mullet, you know, I've eaten a lot of fish. Whoever thought sheephead and some of the other species would be good, but a mullet, that smell, oh, God, I don't know. I guess if you got them real cold and you held that smell down and filleted it real quick and, like Robbie said, you fried it and ate it hot, maybe, maybe. They call them Biloxi Bacon on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
Uh, some people have said that the mullet is, is different. Uh, in Louisiana, where we have soft bottom marshes, a lot of it, uh, they, they basically uh, algae and mud feeders. And sometimes when you, you get them, they're, they're full of mud. They ingest a lot of mud. Whereas on the Gulf Coast beaches, because it's a sandy bottom, it's a cleaner fish. Maybe so. All right, the backstrap stacker is checking in. He's headed up to the camp to do some maintenance for the hunting season. He seems to be a, an expert on mullet. He says large mullet are great for eating, but only if they're fresh. Medium mullet are better for tossing. And the mullet haircut is making a comeback. Why, he has no idea. I don't need the backstrap stacker. And let's see, we've got this one uh, working on the weekend. Your show's on in the shop. And we agree that fresh mullet are great to eat. Small ones are great for bait, for reds and specks. No, I don't know if you cut them small for speckled trout, but uh, you cut them in half or, you know, whole for redfish. The big bull reds, great, great uh, bait for those. Uh, says the hairstyle's not good. We love your show. Uh, have a great day, brother. That's from my friend, the Irish Coonass. Uh, here's one says, I was at a fish fry in Biloxi doing cruise in the coast one year. I thought I was eating a really badly cleaned catfish. I asked, what kind of catfish are we eating? He tells me it's mullet. I could not get that crap out of my mouth fast enough. Did not care for it. That's from our friend, the worm. And here's one. Uh, this might be the, the voice of reason here. Mullet. Seriously, when there are bass, specks, reds, sockelet to eat? And it, here's uh, Ed Miller, another, I'll tell you, Alabama. He says, mullet is good. Mullet toss held in Orange Beach, a big event or a big party. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to cover that on Bayou Wild TV, and I just can't get the dates to work out. Maybe next year. I need to get an advance date. Anybody knows when the mullet toss at Orange Beach is going to be? I think it's a springtime thing. Uh, maybe you can text me and let me know. By the way, if you want to get a text on this message board you're hearing, it's 504 260-1870. Got some more comments on mullet, eating them, loving them, hating them. We'll get back to those and a whole lot more right after this time out. Where you're listening to The Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Net. Well, in case you missed last week's program, uh, the nesting populations, the duck populations, the breeding survey conducted by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service was released, and it, uh, put it mildly, ain't good news. It's about the lowest we've had in 20 years. 34.2 million breeding ducks in the traditional survey area, 12% lower than 2019's estimate. We had no estimate the last two years because of the COVID restrictions, and it's still 4% below the long-term average. So uh, I'm looking forward to well, a pretty good teal season. Teal aren't nearly as effective. Now, the blue-wing teal population uh, is actually up 19%. Green wings are down 32 and they are kind of a different bird. That's why we hunt them in September. We'll be hunting those next month. They're very early migrants, and they don't have a tendency to get shortstop. They're coming on the length of the day, and they head on down to Central America and on into Mexico after they leave here. But some of the other species, the puddle ducks, the mallards, the gray ducks, uh, the pintail, uh, canvasbacks, uh, even spoonbills, numbers are down, so I would not expect by any means a, a banner year for waterfowl. All right, we're getting a lot of action on our text board about this mullet discussion. Seems like a lot of people either hate them or love them. Which are you? 504-260-1870, and I'll share some of those text messages right after we pause 10 seconds for our local stations to identify themselves on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. 
And if you tuned in to get some fishing reports, we got some coming up for you. We're going to check in with Kirk Stansel. He's over at Hackberry. We'll get to him. And also Daryl Carpenter. He's in the thick of all the Ride the Bull stuff going on at Caminata Pass in Grand Isle. Mike Gallo is going to join us. I saw Mike at a CCA banquet this week. And also Brendan Bayard's got the Paddler's Report for you. And Ryan Lambert, the Plastic Man, will be checking in from Buras, Louisiana at Cajun Fishing Adventures. I think he may be at... Uh, Nolejase in Mexico. He was debating on whether to get down there. We'll find out how that went. All right, getting back to our text message board. Uh, let's see, where were we here? We were, um, someone says, uh, so smoked and salted mullet is good. Again, this is an, uh, it seems like the Alabama, Mississippi coast folks are in favor of the mullet. Louisiana people, not so much. He also said the roe is good. You know, we talked about earlier with Robbie about commercially catching and selling uh, mullet, and that was uh, where the money was. It was in the row. It wasn't in the meat. They used the meat, but the row was uh, highly prized, but he says the price has pretty much dropped out, so that commercial mullet fishery has kind of gone away. Here's one that says, good morning. I've heard of smoked mullet dip, but I've never tried it. My late grandfather called them a trash fish, so I've also never had a desire to try them either by the way did you get my recommendation to stop at hoots barbecue on your trip to stuttgart their pulled pork was delicious that's from my friend david hubble yeah david i, I did get it and it's on my list i'm planning on making a stop there when i go up there doing that uh, halloween weekend uh, goose hunt up in uh, stuttgart arkansas for the speckle belly geese all right, here's one uh says, uh, I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to keep some little mullet, but they had a different name to them, something mullet. I'm not sure what it was, but I remember they didn't grow very big. Have a great day. Uh, well, it, it may have just been the finger mullet, they call them, and that's just the same. It's a striped mullet, but it's uh, that's when it's in the smaller stage. They, they get pretty big when they, they're full grown, and there are several species of mullet, but the one common around the Gulf Coast is a striped mullet. Uh, the backstrap stacker. All right, thank you. He checked in and said the mullet toss is always the last weekend in April. So I got that on my calendar. All right, now here's Louisiana listeners. Let's ask those mullet fans how do hardheads taste. I guess that's a, to check their taste buds to see if they're still intact. And another text says smoke mullet is big around Bayou Labatry. Uh Yeah, smoke mullet and smoke mullet dip. And then I've heard it fried, thin fried, like catfish. They call that the Biloxi bacon. Uh, here's one said, Don, heard anything about reds being scarce? Todd Masson is saying we need to cut the limits. That's from the BCKFC old dog. Uh, I saw Todd uh, this week. We were at the uh, North Shore CCA banquet. We didn't talk about the redfish. But, uh, yeah, there's something going on with the reds. Uh, I think it's too early to tell whether anything needs to be done. I mean, the biologists will tell you there's, there's not enough near enough science, but there's some empirical evidence. And it's not just in one local area where they could be overfished. It seems to be statewide that redfish are just uh, much more difficult to catch. It could be a cyclical thing where these things come and go, or it could be that something needs to be done about limits to uh, re restore them. All right, uh, let's see. We got uh, David's also telling us about the date on the mullet toss. I got that down. Here's one says, as a child, uh, this is uh, in Mississippi, a child out in uh, camp at Breton Island. He was 11 years old. The sun would come up. He'd take his cast net, and then 8 o'clock, filleted fried mullet for breakfast. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> to each his own. 
Here's another. Says, I started fishing for mullet as a boy. Didn't we all? You know, you can catch them. They'll bite on bread. And uh, if you throw some bread out and you get on it with a cast net, I used to do that when I was a kid and catch them. We used them for crab bait. Never did eat them. They are common on the East Coast and good to eat. A cane pole with a cork and bread for bait was all you needed. That's from Alvin. And here's a comment. Channel mullet are good and sweet. Used to catch them at Coconut Beach at the 17th Street Canal. <laughs> and here's one said, I tried to clean mullet once. Muddy guts on the blade, disgusting, didn't make it to the skillet. Yeah, I'm thinking where they come from has something to do with it. They come from a sandy bottom area. They're going to be cleaner. They come from the interior marsh where we've got the tritus, you know, and the, it's a, a, a brackish marsh with a very soft bottom, and they're in there gulping up that mud to get the algae, and it goes through them. Uh, that's not quite so appetizing. Anyway, we'll continue this discussion on mullet, haircuts, Biloxi bacon, bait. What do you use them for? Do you toss them? Have you ever entered the mullet toss competition? I'm going to try to get in it next year. All right, right after this, we got a fishing report coming up from Hackberry, Rod and Gun. We're talking to Captain Kirk. Not that Captain Kirk, our Captain Kirk. Back with him right after this on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And it's time to talk to Captain Kirk. We head on over to Hackberry, Rod and Gun, and uh, say good morning to Captain Kirk Stansel. Kirk, we got a little discussion going on the show this morning about mullet. About eating mullet, mullet smoking mullet, frying butt mullet. They call them Biloxi bacon on the Gulf Coast. I got a bunch of Alabama people saying they love mullet, and Louisiana people saying they're muddy and they're no good. They're good for baits. The only thing they're good for, they got mullet haircuts now. They got mullet tossing competition. <laughs> they, they just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just mullet all the way around. Well, mullet all the The only thing I know about mullet, they make good bait. Yes, they do. So. They do. But you guys don't serve them over there at the Hackberry Rod and Gun. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that come here and uh, that eat it, especially, you know, you know from Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, East, they eat it. So I don't know if it's a different species. I don't know if it's the, the environment they live in or what it is. So um, maybe they just don't, don't know good. Here. Maybe they just don't know good fish. Maybe that's <laughs> I'm here <laughs> yeah, from I mean, them now. <laughs> I mean, why should I eat mullet? We have special trout, redfish, and flounder. There you go. There you go. Well, look, I'm looking on the radar right now, and it seems like uh, the market's cornered uh, kind of offshore, so- well south of you guys. Looks like Hackberry's pretty clear, but looks like there's some scattered light stuff moving up along the Texas coast, moving into your area there. How's it looking right now? You guys are going to go right. out today, I'm sure. Yeah, we're, we're going to head out here in the next uh, 30, 40 minutes. You know when it gets good, safe light. But uh, you know it's uh, the weather. I, I didn't. I hadn't even looked at the radar since I woke up this morning. It looks good. It looked good then. But I'll I'll check it out after uh, we hang up. That's for sure. Light winds too. So uh, what's been the right. pattern there? We're in that transition time for trout. Are you guys going through that? Uh, you know, it seems like we are. We're still catching some a few of the nicer trout uh, on some mullet. You know, along the channel, but not a lot. But th- there are nicer fish. You know, they're two and three pounders. Uh, one of my captains came in. He had twenty of them over two pounds yesterday. He had a, they caught them all on mullet. But it's uh, it's pretty much that pattern for uh, you know that we see late August, early September till we start getting some cold fronts. And it, you know, the numbers of trout have been mainly out in the open o- over the reefs. You know, in West Cove and uh, and Big Lake. You know, just kind of pick the reef you, area you want to fish, and uh, catching them on 
mostly live shrimp, but some are coming off plastic. Uh, and you got to fish your plastic down deep. And with the popping cart on shrimp, you you don't want to pop it a lot. When it hits, give it a good pop and let it sit because uh, the lady fish and needlefish are thick. Mm-hmm. Well, those mullets are coming up again. You know, 10 million speckled trout can't be wrong, you know, when they go for That's the mullet. Right. But, <laughs> but let me ask you this. Um, how do you bait use when you you just cut the mullet into chunks like you would do if you were fishing offshore? Oh, no, no. Trout? I, I'm not, I'm a whole fish, finger uh, mullet? A whole finger mullet is what we fishing. Yeah, yeah uh, mm-hmm. fishing Carolina rig. I use uh, the, the, the pinch on weights or, you know, kind of like a split shot, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, we buy them quarter ounce, three-eighths ounce weights. And, you know, you can use two or three if the current's strong and uh, just one if uh, it's the weak current. Got it. Um, anything else we need to know? How's the flounder showing up over there? Are we starting to get a little yeah, run it, on them? Well, you know, uh, we're catching them here and there on the big high tides over, you know, in the bayous uh, behind the weirs. You know, the weirs are blown out, so they stay open all the time. And when you get a good high tide, we catch some flounder, you know, when that current's running in hard. But it's got to be a strong current. Otherwise, you, uh, not much happening. It's just a scattered flounder here and there. Hope you get them. Uh, Kirk, before we go, um, remembering your stepdad, one of the real founding fathers of the charter boat industry, passed away this week, uh, Terry Shaughnessy. Captain Terry he did. Uh, had founded Hackberry Rod and Gun, went over there to Florida. Uh, tell us a little bit about your stepdad. Terry, you know, he, he did five tours in Vietnam, got out of the uh, – he went over there, a private, came back a captain, a field commission, which, you know, that's unheard of. It and, is. And, and everybody knows that met Terry. He was a big man, boisterous man, full of life and jokes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he <laughs> – and, you know, they weren't always politically correct, as you know. But, uh, you know, he, he was quite a character. And, you know, he – one day – he uh, was, you know, when he got out of the service, you know, he uh, he came, he moved to Hackberry. Just took a year off to go to hunt and fish, and he was crabbing. And he came in one day, you know, he always had his fishing pole and caught a mess of trout. And there was a guy, Jack Thompson from Freeport, saw him unloading his fish, and they got to talking. And he asked Terry what he's doing the next day. And Terry goes, well, I'm going to take you fishing. And the guy paid him 50 bucks. And that's when it started. That was in uh, 1975. Wow. And then uh, – and in 79, you know, uh, I came on with the second boat, and then, you know, it just grew from there. And uh, he was, Terry was a great salesman and marketer. That's for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. He was that. I uh, had a very dry sense of humor, very funny guy, and I uh, had a lot of fun and trips down there with him. A lot of people didn't realize he was an NFL football player, too. That's when NFL exactly. players were still human back in those days. Exactly. That's right. You know, of course, you could look at him and tell this guy might have played football. You know, he was a huge man yeah. and, uh, and the strongest person I've ever met. I mean, yeah. you know, just very soft spoken though. Good, good, great guy, and uh, he's going to be sorely missed. And always good to he will be. talk about him. Yeah, when he I'll... moved to Florida in in uh, about uh, the late nineties, he he bought a place in a little town called Chuckalusky, and he started uh, snook, tarpon, and trout and red fishing over there, and, and mm-hmm. you know until his passing last week. Yeah, earlier this week. Yeah. Well, gone, but certainly not forgotten. Uh, stories will be told about Terry as, uh, as, oh, no as doubt. people are fishing. No doubt about it. Kirk, thanks for <laughs> no sharing that, uh, that those thoughts with us and remembering uh, your stepdad. We're certainly going to miss him. And y'all have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you next time.
All right, Don, good talking to you. You have a great show, and uh, thank you thank you for the, the opportunity to talk. All righty, and you can reach those guys at 888-762-3391. They've also got a, uh, a live video camera on the cleaning table. You can see what the catch is day by day. Check them out, Hackberry Rod and Gun. All right, coming back after this, we're going to one of the busiest places along the coast this morning, Grand Isle, the site of the Ride the Bull number 11, take three. Back with Daryl Carpenter after this. Fishing tournament going on in Grand Isle. It's called Ride the Bull. It's coming out of pass, going to be loaded with kayaks. Uh, at the most, it, it was up to 750 kayaks at one time. Uh, most recently, it's fallen back into the four to 500 range, and I think that's probably where it's going to be sometime today. You're going down that way. It's pretty good spectator sports. You can kind of get on the bridge and the beach and watch all the action there as they try to fight those big bull reds into those little plastic kayaks. Daryl Carpenter joins us now. He operates RealScreamers.com down on the island of Grand Isle. And, Daryl, give us a traffic report. How is it down there? A lot of activity going on, a lot of pickup trucks and, and plastic boats down there by Bridgeside, I'm sure. Yeah, Don, and you can tell they've definitely taken over. I mean, wherever wherever there's a rental place available, it's got a multiple vehicles with with those what looks like big popping carts hanging out the back of them. So, uh, yeah, they've kind of been – I tell you what, what I've noticed is some of them are throwing wakes and rooster tails. They, they've done gone and put motors on these things now. I mean, some of these kayaks, man, the way they're rolling around here, I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, they're rigged with electronics and uh, the whole deal. You know, they're getting pretty sophisticated for being a very uh, – primitive paddle craft but uh there's a lot of activity going on down there i would suggest uh, if anybody's fishing down there in a regular bay boat probably want to steer clear coming out of pass this morning yeah i mean usually they have the coast guard out there making them leave a channel open and, and guarding things and you know there's enough traffic around and between coast guard and wildlife that they're going to slow you down so yeah if you're in a hurry stay away from there because they are difficult to see if we got rollers rolling in Yes, indeed. How's the fishing been this week? You know, we're in transition time along South Louisiana for speckled trout. What's going on? Right. Well, Don, it, it's much like what we were talking, like you were talking about over in the Bradenton Sound area. It's been difficult to put anything more than a two-hour period together on any, you know, try to get any kind of a bite going because now you got to run and hide from something else. Uh, the storms have just been bad. However, to dovetail into your discussion, uh, we did have some folks that were here spending a week for the uh, for the kayak tournament, and they wanted to go catch some marsh reds, something they hadn't done. And um, it was, I mean, I loaded the live well full of finger mullets, and we went looking for where we thought maybe some redfish were. And sure enough, we you know we got lucky. We hit it right, and uh, we I mean for three hours we sat and did nothing but caught and release reds because it took us every bit of thirty minutes to get our limit. So we're, there's still speckled trout to be caught. They're not packed up and plentiful right now. because and, and part of that is because we can't develop a pattern on them with this weather. But, you know, you've always got the redfish for fallback. I mean, we this time of the year, somebody walks up and says redfish, and we kind of, uh, you know, because, man, we're so hard stuck on those speckled trout. But, Don, I'm going to tell you, it happened two days in a row. We're sitting there. We're sitting there red fishing, and in the marsh on the grass banks, we're catching 23, 24 inch trout. We had one came in yesterday, pushed over three pounds, and that came out of a marsh pond. So it's a good time to try to do both right now. Um, yeah. You know, you just you gotta you gotta make you gotta make whatever kind of lemonade the good Lord will give you. You know. 
Yes, indeed. You guys have had a good season down there in Grand Isle. Daryl, on our mullet discussion, I know you've used finger mullet as bait. You've used cut mullet to catch the big bull reds. Have you ever eaten mullet? I've never eaten it, Don. They've always been bait for me. And I'm going to tell you something that you you may be overlooking in your discussion is those big horse mullets. Man, some of the biggest yellowfin tuna I've ever caught behind those shrimp boats. You can throw everything else out there. You can throw croakers. You can throw pinfish. And all of the smaller things like the bonitas and stuff bother them. But you get a 12-, 14-inch mullet and put it on a big circle hook and throw it behind a daggum shrimp boat, and the only thing that's going to touch it is either going to be a shark or a big yellowfin tuna. And, yep. and I'll give you one other little piece of trivia, something, as you well know, back in my offshore heyday, I, I was every bit of the mangrove king. I have seen a three-inch mullet free-lined and pitched to a mangrove and I've seen that mullet with a hook in his nose outrun that mangrove snapper. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah, they love them, those mangroves. They can't resist a little live finger mullet. Darrell, thanks for the report as always. Uh, give us your phone number. Somebody wants to call realscreamers.com and get a trip book. 225-937-6288. All right, my friend, we'll see you next week. There he goes, Captain Darrell Carpenter. All right, when we come back, I'm uh, going to continue our discussion about mullets. Do you eat them? Do you fish them? Do you toss them? Do you wear them? And we also got our bad boys and more fishing reports on the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t